and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, I am your host, or one of the hosts, God, I can't believe I said that, Chris Chafin. God, I can't believe in him, uh, or wow. her. Wow, wow, or, wow. I guess if I don't believe in them, I don't have to give them a gender. Can I ask you a question? Um, Caleb Shively. <laughs> what if God was one of us? Um, that's that song. Joan Osborne, Joan who has Osborne, no relation yeah. to Ozzy Osborne, but they do kind of look alike. I always thought. I when don't I was know a kid. about that. If they look alike, uh, long hair. Yes, but Joan Osborne White. famously had extremely curly hair. That's like, true. It was famously extremely, cur- famously was like, extremely curly. In the nineties, three we words and an ly. We were obsessed with curly-haired women, like Carrie Russell, you know, and sure, uh, Joan Osborne. Was Alanis's hair crunchy? No, it was crunchy. I, that's my it list. curly. That's my list, and the end of examples is two. There's I think two examples. Felicity Huffman's hair was curly, I don't like think... on Sports Night. I don't know if that's but that, true. It was like bigger curls. It was short. <laughs> Sports Night, Aaron I don't Sorkin. Think, I love Sports Night, actually. I think it's the best thing Aaron Sorkin has ever done. You do talk to me about Josh Charles, but only off I, I still podcast. like Josh Charles because of that show. Sure, that's true. Sure. Um, so you're listening to Actually Best Choice Movies. It's the world's only movie podcast. Every week we talk about two movies. Uh, one of them is new and one of them is old. That's normally how it goes. This week, um, things are it's a little... It's not a normal week. Yeah, things are a little different, right, guys? Will anything ever be normal again, do you think? Uh, Yeah. Well, strong prediction from Caleb. Uh, so <laughs> we're talking about two streaming movies that, you know, maybe have something to do with the way things seem in the world they right definitely now. definitely do. It's Contagion and This is the End. So we're going to be talking about those this week on, actually, Best Choice. Movies. <laughs> uh, but before we get to any of that, let's... so. We, this is where we talk about the movies we saw this week. It's a bit of an odd one because as, uh, Caleb, so this week we were going to do First Cow. First Cow. We were both very excited to do First Cow. First Cow. Caleb went to the Thursday evening showing of it, which First I was theoretically out. was going to go to, and but it's like that's exactly bedtime for Olivia, so it's hard. It's exactly the wrong time for me to go out. Um, and I was like, well, I'll go on. I'm going to go on the following Tuesday. I was like, I'll just go then. It's fine. And it was a showing you could take a baby to. And Caleb, you went on Thursday night, and I, you were the only person in the movie theater? Uh, uh, for like 20 minutes, I was. I got there, uh, 7 o'clock showing, I got there right at 6.30, because I had nothing to do. Um, <laughs> Braggy, yeah. But yeah, for like uh, 25 minutes, I was like the only one in the theater. Like uh, an older couple, and then someone came, and they sat in the back. But it was a BAM Theater 3, which is a... It's huge. Uh, they're huge. It's like it was an old opera space. Uh, yeah, huge theater. I always sit right so there. I sat directly in the middle. I had a great experience. Uh, it's an amazing movie. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I've said that. I've said, I know you say I say this a lot, but I always mean it when this I say it. Is it one of your favorite movies it's of the year? The best movie of the year so far. <laughs> Easily the best movie of the year so far. Sorry, oh. formerly The Assistant. Oh, Caleb. It's nice to hear you. It's nice. It brings joy back <laughs> it's to my life. so good. Uh, it's her most playful movie. Uh, I mean, it has all her uh, tropes, but uh, her tropes being uh, shooting in nature, very uh, more about life than the actual uh, plot of the movie. Well acted. I loved it. Uh, a lot of good color scheme, but I don't want to spoil too much for it. But it's like a very quaint movie. The plot is uh, two guys steal milk from a cow. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. Let's hope he's one of those. That's great. Um it's great. I mean, I guess like for it. So I, I didn't, obviously this Tuesday screening I knew wasn't going to happen by Friday, right? So then it, it was playing in, so bam, stop showing all movies by Saturday. Yeah, by Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Angelica Theater here in New York was one of the only theaters still open. Um, yeah, because Alamo also stopped doing mm-hmm. all their showings. So I was going to go Saturday night and then I was going to go on Sunday and I had 
several very serious conversations with my wife about this. And in the end, I did not go to see the movie. So I guess... You're a good boy who listens yeah, right. to people, loved ones who are concerned about your health. I know, what a fucking nerd. Um, so I guess like forever, we can say that you are more committed to movies than me because you put your life at risk to see this movie and I didn't. Uh, if it wasn't a Kelly Reichardt movie, I probably wouldn't have been as eager. Like I did, I was telling Chris before, I canceled my plans to see... Ben Affleck alcoholic basketball coach movie, which is called The Way Back. The Way Back, yeah. And actually is a, a good director, has a good track run. I forget his name, but he did Warrior. Um, and I was also going to see Baccarat, which I was actually excited to buy. Uh, I don't know. What, what is that movie? Baccarat, uh, uh, showing at BAM, it was, it won, I forget what it won at Cannes, a prize at Cannes, let's just say. But yeah, the uh, Udo Kier's in it. I don't really know the directors, but it seems like a very mishmash genre that starts slow and then gets super action heavy. Uh, all on a fun budget, a lot of small town That's that defends cool. itself. Looks cool. Um, did you? Yeah. So the idea is we're going to talk about First Cow <laughs> if and when it goes on streaming, or if and when the world Don't returns worry, to first normal. Cow. So we'll get like, you. we'll see which of those happens first. I think streaming is what's going to happen first. Yeah. Sure. Speaking of streaming, you, uh, as of I have, you have as well have been streaming a lot of movies. Yes, I imagine. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Um, so have you watched a bunch? Do you want to talk about anything? Like uh, I quickly, like not too long. Too but... many that to think of. Uh, I did get because uh, we're all under house arrest, yeah. right? So what? Are you? You're watching a lot of movies. Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give. A, I saw Queen and Slim finally. You I know, did... I almost suggested that for the show this week, and no. then I was like, I don't think I want to. It's not that good. Uh, looks cool. Uh, just the plot and the story is just so meh. It seems like it, it doesn't make a lot of logical sense. It seems like it would have been a good episode of that new Twilight Zone, but not like a good movie. Uh, not that there's a Twilight Zone no, aspect I think to it, even be but a good just because it's Twilight like a short Zone. drama, you know what I mean? It's it shouldn't like two be a, hours long. It's, it drags. It should be one hour long or like it 50 minutes. It drags so much. Uh, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, Flea's good in it. I always forget that Flea is oh a good God. actor. But I do. I did see uh, Criterion has a little... Criterion, when they do a do little bit wanna... more bonus features, they add a little extra. They did it for a Local Hero, uh, oh, which okay. I never saw. It was, no, uh, I've never seen that. Local Hero. <laughs> the story of an ordinary man who cared enough to do something extraordinary. Local hero. Uh, stars Peter Riegert, which is fun to get him getting a lead role in a movie. Uh, it was part of their Burt Lancaster retrospective. So weird. Uh, but yeah, it was from the early 80s. It's about, works for a company that's in acquisitions for uh, to drill for oil, and he visits a small Scotland town, and he just ends up loving the town. Meanwhile, the town's uh, being like, Fuck yeah, we want that money. So they just try, kind of lead him on, like show him around, and he just ends up just really loving the town. Is it so? It's kind of like the Englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain. Is that like? Are you familiar with this movie? No. A map maker named Anson has come to measure a mountain. All this way just to measure our mountain. It's a it's a um Hugh, Hugh. Grant. It's a Hugh Grant movie. Hugh Grant. But it's like a very gentle movie for adults from the time oh. when Hugh Grant yeah, this... was super super hot. Hugh Grant is as irresistible as he was in Four Weddings. Yes, yes, and now, now I'm going to blush. That was, uh, what, 90s then? Yeah, 90s. So this was sure. 80s, so it wins. Uh, yeah, it's like a gentle, There Will Be Blood was about land acquisition. This is about, I'm not sure, I want to acquisition the land. I wish I just want to love these people because I'm having such a good time. It was very oh, sweet. Cool. That's very sweet. Uh, and also finally watched uh, Lenny Cook, which is a documentary by the Safdie brothers about uh, basketball phenom Lenny Cook. Lenny Cook. Lenny Cook. Lenny Cook. By 2001, Cook had played just four years of organized ball, but still, he entered his senior year rated among the top high school players in the country, along with Amari Stoudemire, Carmelo Anthony, and LeBron James. 
I can't believe I haven't watched it before. Sounds like two of your strong interests. Oh, yeah. yeah. They are very nice uh, nice directors of documentaries. I love their movies, as I know. You mean but, they're very polite documentarians? Uh, yeah. That what you mean? It kind of remind me of uh, recently passed away Albert uh, Mizells. I think I said that correctly. Oh. Um, but yeah, uh, they love basketball, too. The passion shows through there. Uh, so Lenny Cook never made it to the NBA, uh, and they kind of eschew the reason why, which is, I thought, a very bold decision. Like, he was supposed to get drafted in the first round. They said he was like the uh, fourth-rated uh, high school player in the nation uh, at one point above LeBron James, above wow. Carmelo Anthony, and both LeBron and Carmelo in this movie. It's great um, as as high schoolers. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's uh, touching and very so wait, What is the reason he, he didn't get in the NBA? Uh, Did he, like, murder somebody? No, or? no, no. It was just... It's the the answer is not super simple, which is I uh, uh, okay. when I look, actually looked into it, he just had well, a little then I'm bit not of, interested. A, a work ethic issue times a little bit of uh, not I don't know. He's from Brooklyn. He's uh, just not the smart. You know, he got, he could have got he could have gone to college off of, off yeah, a scholarship, right. but he didn't get like uh, overwhelming offers because of uh, he like uh, failed out almost <laughs> close to failing out if he wasn't as good as basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was wild. Like at the end of the movie, which is only like six years after the he was about to be drafted in the NBA, he's like forty pounds overweight, and oh it's very God. it's crazy. It's a very good movie, though. It's very sad. It sounds like the someone the Safdie brothers would be fascinated by. Yeah, he's it's still very cool. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I would say the only thing I really watched this week that was of note, if, unless you had another one. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Was I watched um a movie you guys had seen and we talked about on the show previously? You guys? Uh, v- yeah, VHS. Oh, like all of you guys, went to, all of our friends went to see it together. Yeah, I, like I, I couldn't make it. I had tickets. I couldn't make it. I I didn't like it that much. I didn't really like it very much. It just it. I could not stop thinking about how this was like just kind of a mediocre movie, but because this person was uh, Robin's the, kid, exactly. He had all of these famous people in it, and all of it got like made or released at all. Because even the like the sketches are like especially the sketches that run the whole movie, like the, um, the Thomas runner- Lennon doing the uh, shopping oh, yeah. channel stuff. Thomas Lennon and Courtney Peruso. The improv is very thin. It's like very thin. I mean, it's good, but it's not like like 30 minutes of a film good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And where it's just like, you're like, this is fine, but I, I just couldn't think if this guy wasn't Tim Robbins' son, this movie would never have been made. None of these famous people would be in it. And I, I can't say that I would miss it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it reminded me closer to the energy of like, uh, the boob tube or Amazon Moon with a moon, which I like, but I know people don't like, uh, just like, you know, tiny little jokes that are, uh, exist for like a couple seconds. I think my favorite jokes from VHS where uh, Gemberling's sketch, where he's the, uh, they're doing exercise and he's one of the guys in the background. Oh, yeah, and he like, can't keep up with him. <laughs> it's doing just a exercise. very nice yeah, performance. Right. I mean, yeah, that's good. It's good because it's so subtle. Like, you can miss it. Right uh, it's hard to explain uh, his dad's, Tim Robbins' actual like premise of it, but it's a pretty funny premise. Yeah, you were, I remember you talking yeah, about it on the show. It's very convoluted, which is kind of interesting. It's good. And then Susan Sarandon is on it doing these really dumb, like, infomercial kind of advertisement things. And you're like, Oh, mom. You know, she's like, I would love to read this for you, son. Uh-huh. But it's just like, oh, you know, it's really not that yeah. great. Uh, Carrie Kinney, though. Carrie Kinney's great. Yeah, it. she's yeah. absolutely fantastic in it. Um, and then some of the, like, I'm glad that Wise Blood performs in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Wise Blood, but it's kind of weird, that whole thing. It's like, what's yeah. her name? Charlene Yee? Is that who it is? Yeah, it's Charlene Yee, yeah. Yeah. And who's that first band that performs? It was like some punk band, I don't know. It was some punk band that is just screaming, fuck you, fuck yourself, fuck you, f- go fuck yourself. It was around then. I was watching it with Catherine, uh, and she just looked at me and she went, 
you know, I might fall asleep during this, <laughs> which is code for like, I don't want to watch this. And she did immediately fall asleep. And I felt a little bit guilty that I had made her watch it, you know. Uh, it was fine. Yeah, it's a little slight, uh, but you know. It's, it's like an adult swim show, but instead of being 11 minutes, it's 109. You that's know, 100 a pretty minutes. good description of it. And it doesn't have that uh, bite that adult swim tends to have. Yeah, it doesn't have, it's not exactly satirizing anything. No. It's just like, here's some stuff about what it's more TV nostalgic was like. than that, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, anyway, that's enough of that bullshit. So the first movie we're talking about this week is the 2011 Steven Soderbergh film, Contagion. The average person touches their face three to five times every waking minute. In between, we're touching doorknobs, water fountains, and each other. Matt. Mom? No, no, uh, uh, go up to your room, honey. So we have a virus with no treatment protocol and no vaccine at this time. On day one, there were two people, and then four, and then 16. In three months, it's a billion. That's where we're headed. Contagion is a 2011 movie directed by Steven Soderbergh. It stars, like, an extremely high number of famous people. Matt Damon, Lawrence Fishburne, Brian Cranston, Kate Winslet, and Gwyneth Paltrow, who gives one of the uh, palest and shiniest performances in cinema history as the, like... Victim zero of this pandemic, which is doesn't destroy the world exactly, but comes close. You know, we're doing it because of how much it's like the world we're living in right now. It can feel like reading a New Yorker article come to life. Uh, it's got a rundown of all the terms we've all become, you know, sadly familiar with over the last couple of weeks. Things like viral load, mortality rate. We're looking at overcrowded hospitals, and we're even talking about the origin of this disease in Chinese bats. I mean, all of this is exactly, exactly what we're living through, which makes you appreciate the research the team must have done before writing the script, because basically... You can just imagine that everything that's in the movie is a, uh, you know, uh, the best guess of a viral- virologist of how the next outbreak is going to happen. And like, well, here we are, <laughs> you know, if you're somebody who's anxious about uh, the world that we're living in, coronavirus, COVID-19, you know, and usually we save this for the end of the, the show, but uh, I really can't recommend not watching it strongly enough because it's so similar to what's happening and then it just pushes it forward a little bit in time. And, you know, we're talking about huge numbers of people dead and riots and garbage everywhere. And, it, you know, it, it, it can be extremely, extremely triggering right now. I mean, one of the only things I'll tell you going in if you do watch it is like, it's still a work of fiction, right? The virus they're talking about is at least 2,000 times more deadly than the coronavirus. So, like, that's something to keep in mind. As much as it seems like we're living through this movie, it's it's still, this is not what's going on. Um, it's funny, I, I hadn't really seen it all the way through, I think, until today. I'd seen most of it, but I, I had missed the beginning part with Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, what do you think about this film, Caleb? How was watching oh, it? Oh, yeah, watching How was watching it, it now? Is, uh not good it's um, not good it doesn't feel good to watch right yeah there's uh like even like the big thing we're saying is social distancing uh this is 2011 they brought up social distancing yeah. in this movie i was like oh they did have these plans in effect all this time and we didn't hear about it we until... didn't do any of them <laughs> yeah, yeah right. i did think uh, it's a good movie uh besides all the fact of everything going on it, it is again like you said very triggering uh, uh as soon as they like started writing i was like we're not going to do that, right? Yeah, right. Uh, oh, it is funny, actually, just not to interrupt too much, but it's right. So the movie is about a pandemic that takes over the world and every, you know gets sicker and sicker and society breaks down, right? So one of the first times you see society breaking down, the way that they show it is um, a riot at a pharmacy, which totally makes sense. 
a fight at a like a picked over grocery store totally makes sense and then a wine store that's on fire which i was like why of all things is this in this like list of because these all things seem very probable and then like it was like Catherine's old wine shop and it was on fire and i was like oh all right fine a lot of the writing came out of people being upset and there is people upset but it's not to the point where like they the out it has boiled over to the outrage of not being able to get things like uh, food so right? that, you know you know everyone listening uh you still have food. You still uh, have access to. Uh, I don't know. You don't have access to medicine. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. You, the hospitals yeah. exist. We hospitals have are to medicine, not yeah. overcrowded yet. That's what we're doing with flattening the curve. Thank as, goodness. As we uh, record this, right? So yeah. this will be out in a little bit less than a week. So yeah. I guess Everything we'll we see where we are. Inappropriate. That's why uh, I liked Michael Che when he was on Saturday Night Live, being like, "I'm not making jokes about this. I could die in two weeks." <laughs> <laughs> um, but that all being said, and like rem- taking a step back, uh, this movie's solid. Uh, I mean, as a virus thriller, right? It's I didn't see great. it when it came out because uh, I'm a, a I like Soderbergh. I was like, oh, he's just doing a movie where he can uh, make some money and hire all his uh, like famous friends, big people that yeah. our people love. Uh, and he did do that. Uh, and the the movie gets really strong when Soderbergh gets to be experimental, which, you know, he always does a lot of perspective shots. Uh, he does a lot of always natural lighting, which this movie has, which is kind of cool. He is working with his um, team that he always works with. Uh, like I said, the natural lighting is done by, uh, I forget the cinematographer's name, but it doesn't matter because it's a pseudonym. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he always does that. Oh, it's Soderbergh it's does Soderberg, it himself, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Co-written by uh, Scott Z. Burns, who uh, wrote other movies with him, like The Informant, Side Effects, uh, the Laundromat, which I didn't see that came out last year. He did the Born Ultimatum, and he wrote the upcoming Bond movie that we might never get to see. Oh, really? But a lot of Matt Damon stuff, right? I guess he oh, and yeah. Matt Damon must yeah. have a good relationship. Same editor that he always uses. Uh, his name is Stephen Marone, uh, which I didn't know Stephen Marone did Birdman and The Revenant, the Inaratu movies, back-to-back. That's interesting. He also won uh, an Oscar for uh, Soderbergh's Traffic, which, you know, I was a big Traffic fan. The biggest strength of this movie is that they don't sensationalize yeah, it's uh, like, well, one of the scariest things about the movie, yeah. you know, is that it, how aggressively real it feels. Like, it's just it's extremely grounded in reality and nothing, like you're saying. So another big virus thriller people have been watching lately is Outbreak, you know, the movie from the 90s. Is that the monkey one? It's the monkey one, yeah, with Kevin Spacey, oh, RIP. Wow. And, um, you know, it's like number 10 on Netflix, according to their top 10. But, uh, you know, that movie ends with, like, a helicopter and a freaking nuclear bomb. And, like, there's, like, a, people shouting. There's none of there's none of that kind of stuff. It's just yeah. very, very low-key, but it's still extremely scary. Yeah. Um, if anything, uh, this movie works as a, an invasion movie, uh, like humanity being overrun, uh, overtaking humanity. Uh, but instead of its uh, invaders from outer space, it's more from inner space, if you will. Nice. Uh, it's Martin Short and uh, sure. what's his face? I Dennis don't remember Quaid. who's in that movie. <laughs> I was one of my favorite movies it's when good. I was a kid. Uh, but we never see like the invaders outright because it's a, a virus. It's a virus that's taking over. It's adapting. It's uh, what's the other word for adapting? Mutating? <laughs> evolving? Muta- evolving uh, to not get rid of itself. Uh, and so since you can't see it, Soderbergh uh, does a good job of uh, just playing the proceedings of the whole plot of this movie is uh, for drama, which is, an, uh, we didn't talk about her, uh, and I think she's my favorite actress ever, uh, Maria and Cotillard. Oh, yeah, she's uh, good, she, yeah. She is the, uh, in Who? I'm sorry, what's she's that? She's in Who? <laughs> Uh, the World Health Organization. She's in Who, yes. Uh, very and good. And her very plot good. is kind of like a little bit 
weird. Very strange. Yeah, and she, weird, she gets right, kidnapped yeah. for the cure. Like they kidnap her until in they a get a Chinese cure. village, and then they give them the cure and they let her go. But then she finds out they actually gave them a placebo, and then she runs out of the airport, like presumably to bring them a cure somehow. Like I don't. The movie doesn't follow her after that. Um, well, you were saying it's like a uh, like an invasion movie. I mean, I would say. Soder, what Soderbergh has done here is he's made a very classic, like old school disaster movie, like The Towering Inferno oh, sure. or like Earthquake, but it's a disease movie, you know, and it's it it's it it does a really good job of presenting a disease as like an earthquake mm-hmm. or a now fire. It so many different things, and it's like all the experts and the regular victims. I mean, this is the classic playbook of a Hollywood disaster movie, and they're all played by extremely big stars. And his style you know? lends itself. He does that hypercut thing, and there's like so many others. There's so many stories. He said Matt Damon has. Oh yeah, there's one so many stories, right? And it's very Soderbergh. Prom. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hated that when he did that. One of the um, one of the things I think is great, like especially in this climate, like when you're watching the movie, the for the first maybe five minutes, they're doing this thing where they're lingering on any surface that a sick oh, yeah. person has touched, a and that camera movement. To I mean, it. speaking of triggering, like it's very mm-hmm. triggering, like right now living in New York City in the middle of this virus outbreak, and then to like have a amazingly talented filmmaker being like. There's a silent killer lurking on all of these poles, on your credit, card, and, you know, you credit, credit cards, card. and like, and you're like, oh my god, it's everywhere. And we're, and we're saying that as a reminder for you to go wipe down everything you own right Just now. Just wash your hands. Just wash your hands. I mean, honestly, that's and the single most card, effective. And, and this wallet. was another thing that's in the in the movie. They tell you, well, the most effective thing right now is washing your hands and don't touch your face. Like those, both of those yeah. things are in this movie. I was like, it, it, it's it's it's. It's almost like it would be a boring by the numbers movie if it was made after the coronavirus outbreak, but instead it was made a decade before, and it's <laughs> like literally everything that's happening right now. Uh, another parallel is, uh, and I didn't like the story in it. It's the Jude Law parts of this movie. Like he yeah. represents a, every white right winger. He owns a, a yeah. conspiracy blog, Truth Serum News. Oh my god! At one point they say to him, "Blogging isn't writing." Yeah. Which is he also. Uh, He's like Alex Jones or something, right? Alex Jones times like people who are like trying to sell things. Well, um, Alex Jones just, sells. He's oh, that's sells, true. He has, yeah. He's tried selling a toothpaste. I mean, this is ex- he sells like disaster Alex Jones prep tried kits. He sells everything. That, that he said that cured coronavirus. Fuck that guy. Well, so exactly. Hard. So it's exactly like that. What is it? Forsythia is the yeah, thing forsythia. that he's. He's like can, Forsythia. They know it works. It's a treatment that works. The CDC is trying to keep it from you. They don't want you to know. Which is like all of that kind of stuff is happening right yeah. now also. But yeah. I didn't really know who you represented in this movie. But there was a... Just a, like paranoia and, you know, nonsense and, you know, people working to help themselves to hurt, the to hurt other people. The out there. Yeah. Uh, I did like this line. It's a, a, another famous person in this movie is Elliot Gould. He plays oh, Dr. Yeah. Ian Sussman, who is an independent researcher. He's told not to uh, look at the virus because we need to just destroy all the viruses yeah, and not right. spread it. But he does anyway. But anyway... <sighs> what uh, a rebel. He has a good line when... Uh, Jude, I almost called him Judd Apatow for some reason. Jude Law. <laughs> Jude Law comes up to him and he says, uh, he has this really good line about blogging <laughs> that I loved. Uh, it's not, uh, he calls blogging, uh, that's just graffiti with punctuation. <laughs> that's so freaking like yeah. early 2000s though. Definitely 100%. 2011, it's not early 2000s. Well, it's who a... knows how long they took <laughs> them to write the script. You know what I mean? That's true. One other thing I like about this movie and the movie that we're going to talk about in a, in a few minutes, uh, this is the end, is how they're uh, little Hollywood time capsules of eras you've forgotten uh, that were so recent but seem so far away from now. So the big thing that I was thinking about in this movie is that Dimitri Martin has a speaking part. It's yes. like, you're like, Dimitri Martin? Oh, come 
on. He's a scientist. I guess he was like the height, the like peak Dimitri Martin, you know? And they keep cutting to him to be having like serious science reactions, and he just looks like such a fucking dope. He's like, he I don't, he's not conveying well. anything just with his, his lines face. okay in a monotone voice, which you know. He's a scientist. I guess it's Most okay. Most comedians can, are able to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a Soderbergh little And trope. Soderbergh Ca- loves comedians, uh, like casting loves cast, comedians. Yeah. Casting in general, he's always a weird caster. Shout out Sasha Gray. Um, <laughs> well, like The Informant, that's a Soderbergh movie, right? Isn't yes. It? That, yeah, that I mean, that's was, all comedians. That was right? all comedians, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Smothers Brothers were prominent people in it. Out of all the comedians Wait, I did you have something to say about the fact that Demetri no, Martin uh, is in it? I just was so... It just takes, it takes you out of the movie in a certain way because you're like, oh, is he going to like... Do a PowerPoint about the virus, or I like? I was going to say he does wear an inflatable hazmat suit. <laughs> he does wear an inflatable hazmat suit. It's um, pretty silly. My favorite shot in this movie, uh, and again, it's best when Soderbergh's experimental. Uh, it's when this guy's getting off a bus because they told him like, "Hey, uh, get off that bus oh, right yeah. now. You're contagious." And he's like, "You see him collapse." And then the next shot is just like you don't know it at first, but it's from his perspective, and it's like. It's that Cliff Martinez, who does a lot of Soderbergh scores, also did Drive famously, mm. has a weird jazz crescendo score. And like big bright white flashes as it like tilts his head down. I was like, oh man, that's a cool shot. Well, they have this really cool <laughs> thing. Speaking of cool shots in the movie, uh, cool shots. I love cool, cool shots. Cool shots. I love cool shots. Um, they have this. He has this effect he uses that's. Uh, it's like for the sick camera and also for the drunk camera. It's like for a lot of the Gwyneth Paltrow scenes. Uh, where it's like, uh, what, what do they call it on Instagram? Is it like cameo where it's like focused in the middle and it's blurry at the edges? Oh, sure, yeah. And they do that a lot. And I think it's like very effective because you're supposed to be this night work when the culture's in a casino. And this is when she has both gotten the virus and spread it to a million people. And so they, there's like a bunch of, they keep cutting to it. It's like in flashback kind of. And it's all in that, this effect. And it's also the light is very yellow. And it does a good job of making it seem like, fun but also ominous you know oh yeah i think it's like a very very good effect especially because you see it first when she's dying of the virus and feeling very sick uh she dies pretty quick in this movie hats off to that's another cool unsensationalized yeah, yeah, thing yeah. i mean gwyneth paltrow in this movie you know people have been talking about this movie because it's in the zeitgeist right now i've been reading people say that she gives a very unselfconscious performance which i think is actually really true because she looks bad and she's like convulsing and coughing and and it's it's very but she's just and it's all in the service of the character and she does it really well and she doesn't have a lot of screen time (laughs) but you know and but what screen time there is she's like dying or dead for a lot of it there's a really great shot where um it's after she has died you're looking at her face she's obviously dead and then from outside of the frame they fold her scalp down over her because you've been hearing this whirring and it's like they're giving her an autopsy and then they they fold her scalp down (laughs) over her eyes it's like that's an amazing shot yeah that's just fucking genius you know a lot of great actors in this acting in this uh john hawks is a janitor enrico colin tony is great in it she's not in a ton of stuff uh she's a she's won tony awards her name is jennifer l she's the doctor with the bangs oh yeah she's i she's really familiar to me but i couldn't remember what else she's she's been in stuff she's the one that has to work with dimitri martin yes yeah sorry sorry lady (laughs) um but yeah i mean i honestly can't underscore how relatable this movie is right now and whether that means you should watch it immediately or never ever watch it really depends or on watch it how you're to doing a point of like okay where we're at yeah but you did say it is like a very more aggressive i think it was like uh within 18 days which is uh we're right way yeah. over that we're way over 18 that, yeah. days but 18 days they were at like in the two like million, three million yeah. two to three million yeah right which were, but um yeah i was gonna say whether or not you should watch it or not it depends on how well you're holding up right now you know yeah it really um, does 
But as a virus thriller, I mean, it's fantastic. You know, I actually, this past week, I got to, for Rolling Stone, talk to the guy who wrote uh, The Hot Zone, this, like, best-selling book that became Outbreak. You know, it was interesting, definitely, like, that's, um, so it's, like, the other big virus thriller. I mean, I was hoping to be able to write a piece that was telling people not to panic so much, but he was like, oh, no, everyone should panic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so that was, that is the piece that I wrote. Um, but basically, he was saying, like, social distancing and uh flattening the curve yeah that's all very important yeah exactly. uh, i remember there was an episode of coach the craig t nelson <laughs> sitcom that uh you know in its later years when he was coach of an nfl team in orlando i forgot about that yes. uh he there was an outbreak parody episode <laughs> it was a big thing i mean at the time i mean honestly this book his book the hot zone it got named you know one of the books that like influenced how we think about science like oh, alongside wow. charles darwin books and stuff like that because before this book and this is from 1994 we didn't really think about viral outbreaks in this way. It wasn't like a, in the category of thing outside of science fiction, really, you know? Um, I mean, obviously there had been disease outbreaks in the world, but it wasn't like, it wasn't thought of as like a natural disaster or that we have to be fighting against, you know? So it was very interesting to hear his perspective, although, you know, he didn't, you know, it was an interesting conversation. He was obviously very on the side of everyone needs to, and when can we themselves. expect to read this? It's out. Plug. It's currently out. It's currently out Wait, on rollingstone.com. Rolling oh, wow. Good yeah. for you. I didn't see you share it. I shared it on uh, Facebook. That's where I share things like that. No one... Che- no. If we have a listener listening to checking things on Facebook, <laughs> it's probably one of our parents. Hi. Hi, mom and dad. <laughs> nice to see you. My mom actually told me she listened to the show and she thought, well, that's not for me. I know she's appeared <laughs> on the show. Um, but Do I swear I'll- too much? No, I think it was because I made fun of someone in the family somehow, and it made her feel bad. So oh, it was she, a personal agenda. It was a personal thing. Yeah, exactly. It was um, personal. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie, friend? It was made for $60 million. It grossed $135 million. It was no a big I, deal. I had no idea it was a hit. I just thought it was a... I mean, it was Soderbergh coming off of uh, Ocean Shit, uh, Out of Sight, is, uh, was 90, like 98, so it was like 10 years after Out of Sight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was hot shit. I always thought he was like... He was doing some... Uh, lower key experimental stuff around this time too, uh, so I I, know, so I I didn't want to see it, but yeah, the cast is amazing. Kate Winslet, which we didn't even Kate talk Winslet about. is great. She's say. so good in yeah. this movie. Larry Fish, yeah, great. Everyone's great in the movie. I mean, honestly, like I was saying, it, it as a disaster film in the grand Hollywood tradition, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And what Soderbergh does is instead of making it in this heightened disaster reality, it's in our everyday reality, which makes it so much scarier. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon, an actor I never really. Truly like, never, after I truly never hate. true? I he's like a, him. I like he's a, him. He's a true neutral for me. He's a true neutral. Uh, yeah, he right. does his best okay. work in Soderbergh movies. By far, easily his best work in Soderbergh movies. And uh, that Fairly Brothers movie where he's attached to Greg Kinnear. Um, <laughs> this is where I'm going to put in the drop of him saying we need to science the shit out of something. <laughs> You're not a big fan of The Martian, Caleb? In the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. No, not at all. Uh, I am a big fan of... Uh, what was Carol's last name on uh, 30 Rock? 30, 30 Rock? Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett. Is it really? His name is Carol Burnett. <laughs> yes. It's pretty funny. Nice one, Tina Fey. Okay, so that's enough of that bullshit. Uh, second time. Uh, the next movie that we're going to do is... This is the end. Should we explain why we're doing this end? Because it is a rapture comedy. But it's could, a, do you want me to... You want, you want to talk about it right now? Uh, I guess we could do it afterwards. I, I mean, show. why are we doing it right now? It's because these are both, you know, so to lay it on the line for everybody, we're living in the end times. Everything seems very, very bad. So this 
at this time, you know, kind of as a headline joke, we're doing Contagion, which is a movie about a disease killing everyone in the world. It's the, a topical thing. But also, All this right. is topical in the sense that it's a very good quarantined movie. Yeah, and also it's just called This is the End, which is the attitude many of us are feeling. Yeah. I would say unjustifiably. I, I don't think things are quite as bad as everyone is acting, but... Um, it's certainly how everyone feels. So yeah, it's Contagion and this is the end. Actually, do you have an opinion on which order those titles should go in? I, I kind of keep going back and forth. Uh, I guess it would be the order we have it in now because we did Contagion already. Contagion is. But I feel like there's something powerful about if you're looking in your iTunes feed seeing this is the end first because you just kind of are like, fuck. Uh they didn't want to name the movie This is the End. Uh they just wrote a script and it was called The End and they couldn't name it that. Uh, so they just said, okay, whatever you guys want to do. It was like a compromise they had to do so they could, this you is know, the end. have Jack It's not much jokes. of a compromise going from the end to this is the end. That's not, that's, they, it seems like they won. It sounds like they won. Well, they didn't like the title as much. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, it's, this is the end. Seth! <laughs> I have the best week I've ever planned. James Franco's having a giant party. <laughs> yes! Oh! What did you just fucking blow on me? Don't worry, it's just heroin. Are you shitting me? I'm just kidding, it's cocaine. But that's still very bad. What the fuck? After successful careers of writing and producing comedies, hoping to define the Apatow era in Hollywood, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg made their directorial debut with a rapture movie as a guise to hang out with their best friends from the Jed Apatow universe. What could dwell into a vanity project instead plays off as an extended look at Hollywood personas, relationships, and a surprising amount of research into the Book of Revelation. <laughs> uh, to mock and to be mocked, uh, This is the End uses its smarts and quick wit to be the devil in the details amongst a strong stride of gross-out comedy and gross-out horror. The movie also immediately announces itself as part of the modern stoner movie canon. Uh, I myself saw this four times in theaters, getting higher for each viewing. Oh my god, did you really saw this four yeah, times? Yeah, I saw it with uh, my girlfriend at the time, and then uh, I saw it, I was like, oh, I need to see this again. I saw it with Hector. I think I saw it with you. Catelyn was visiting. Really? I was like, oh, we're going to go see this movie, because we're going to get stoned and see it. Yeah, it was like that. Like, people was like, oh, you didn't see it? I'll get stoned and see it. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember you saying that a lot back yeah. in the day, yeah. And, as within most of the Goldberg and Rogan's Point Grey catalog, uh, the movie exists with a line of sweetness to cut through all that raunch, uh, as Jay Baruchel acts as a stand-in for Goldberg himself in the Hollywood friendship. You've changed arguments he, uh, the character has with Rogan. Uh, this is the end uh, is a very funny movie, and I'm glad that we get to talk about it. We won't just dissect jokes and repeat lines, <laughs> but we probably will. Might do some of that, yeah. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Well, you know, talking about Hollywood time capsules, as I was saying, with uh, Contagion, it's funny to think about this time period. This movie is from 2013. It's when these this crew of guys was the absolute hottest shit in Hollywood. Like Seth Rogen, uh, James Franco, Joan Hill. Jonah Hill, uh, what's-his-face from Eastbound and Down? Dan McBride. Danny McBride, yeah, exactly. 
when these people were all is Michael Sarah, you know, Sarah's cameo, Rihanna. I mean, well, Rihanna's in the movie, but they like, play Gangnam Style. They play Gangnam Style, but it's like you just remember. I mean, this is one of the reasons I wasn't crazy about the movie at the time. Was like these guys had made so many movies and they were such a big deal. And this movie is so much of them just hanging out and you know they're they are playing themselves, right? They're playing themselves in a heightened disaster situation, but they're still just playing themselves. So you're just like, all right, I get it. These are like the coolest fucking guys in Hollywood. All they do is smoke pot. They're all best friends. Like they're all rich as shit. Like okay, I get it. Like I'm I was like sick of seeing their perfect life. You know, I was like that's exactly it's called, the life I want to live. That's and it's called perfect. Uh, jealousy. It's called grass is greener. Well, yeah, okay, but I mean, they, you know, you cannot tell me that's not what this movie is about. Like it's about them all being the coolest dudes in the world. Uh, if anything, I don't care what this movie is about <laughs> as much as I think it's really fucking funny. It's really, uh, as a piece really of funny comedy. Well, so to say this is, so this is my, was my attitude, but rewatching it, I was like, this movie's great. I love so this. It's funny. really, really funny. And obviously they have like a huge budget and cause there's lots of CGI effects. And there's lots of practical effects. There's a time when spoiler alert, Michael Sarah gets, stabbed through the chest with a street light that falls on him but then for some reason the street light straightens up and he gets pulled all the way back up like 12 feet in the air and you can tell they're really doing it and you're like wow this was like a huge day of, uh, on the fact, set michael you know? sarah didn't like his costume he asked to bring in his own coat uh so he brought in that's his real coat he's wearing that's so funny uh, i don't know if they repurposed it because he does get Stabbed, uh, yeah, right. stomach, or I mean, he his, said, "Oh, stab my coat through the stomach." And he's, he's doing this actor. funny version of himself where he's like a coked-out sex yeah. maniac, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, a thing I love to do that is going to be super annoying for everyone is to you know, break down comedy. Uh, so uh, this is more of uh, an ensemble piece, and it's very improv-heavy. Uh, it's very uh, yes, right. reminiscent of the uh, it's extremely improv-heavy uh, of the Christopher Guest movies. Uh, we're talking like Best in Show. Uh, Waiting for Guffman, of course, obviously, and then I mean, it's uh, almost Mighty like Wind. a comedy podcast, but with a plot. You know what I mean? Because it's just like so, yeah. five people who are very talented comedians sitting around and making fun of each other. But so, there's like a plot. So to the thing it, with you know? uh, Christopher Guest movies and out and this like improv heavy movies, uh, it's performance based, uh, meaning that uh, the jokes grow out of the character's persona and uh, the actor's nuance and portrayal of that. I, th- I think a great example of this is uh, every single line Fred Willard does in every all of his movies. Hey, what happened? As you know, back in 1970, I started on a series called What Happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, Hey, what happened? He's uh, <laughs> really good. Uh, Catherine O'Hara is, plays so many different characters in those Christopher Guest movies. If you want to understand how comedy works, just watch Catherine O'Hara in movies. Uh, also in Schitt's Creek. Uh, amazing comedic performer. I'd also uh, say it's reminiscent of, uh, and this is an improv, but it's classic comedy, and it is just a string of famous people in movies who bring performance to their jokes. Is the uh, a bunch of Mel Brooks movies do that as well? Yeah, uh, and those are like gauntlet throwing big names: Christopher Guest, Mel Brooks, and. Honestly, like of its era, like of the Apatow era, these are the guys. Yeah, who I mean, are these the are the of it. most talented. And this is the movie where they're the like playing themselves, yeah. heightened uh, versions of themselves, and it's really fucking funny. Uh, and they get to do all kinds of action stuff. You know, they're doing fights. They're doing like at one point, Danny McBride's wearing a human skull on his head. You know, uh, Emma Watson like smashes oh, yeah. it's him. A, and- it's a, 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 a a modern thing that we do in these improv comedies. 
Uh, they just bring in ringers, uh, people who are funny yeah. to be in movies. Uh, I call it a roll call movie. Sisters is my always my prime example of a roll call movie. We're just like, oh, cool. We're just going to hand this movie to a person right now. Uh, and it's a great roll call movie. We have uh, the party scene at the beginning. Yeah, right. Which is like has a lot, a lot of celebrity yeah, cameos. Super, a lot of fun, tiny one. Uh, Aziz, Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling's great in it. Uh, yeah. She loves him in, uh, loves Jay Baruchel in Bone Dollar Baby. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this is, uh, like I said, I didn't really care so much about the plot, even though they did a lot of research into the uh, end days. And also, I mean, the plot is kind of like they br- it's like a it's classic like, comedy movie where they bring up the plot every 20 minutes. They're yeah. like, hey, isn't there something happening? So it's a big hook. The rapture is the big hook. Right. And that acts as an excuse for more set pieces, set pieces, which in turn are excuses for more jokes. Uh, right. uh, hey, isn't sink- there a reason we all have to walk outside right now? Yeah. <laughs> they're uh, like, OK, sinkhole, sure. Uh, Earthquake, single panic. But yeah, there's like a, a panic scene, which again, a bunch of string of jokes. Paul Rudd runs out. Oh, yeah, uh, he my, runs in with a giant bottle of wine with a bow on it because it's a housewarming party, but the world has already started ending. So he's like, ah! Yeah. Uh, Aziz is always falling in a hole. Uh, Craig, save me. You got to help me. Doesn't save Aziz. He goes, you're uh, already in the hole, Aziz. Yeah. He goes, uh, my favorite joke, and maybe in the entire, one of my favorite jokes in the entire movie. Uh, God bless him. I wish he was in more things. David Krumholtz, I'm going to give you my full weight, okay? You're going to hold my weight. All of it. Okay, come on. You can hold on to my full weight. I can do it. I don't want to die. Okay. One, two, two, three. Instantly dies. Yeah, he just lets him go in one That's so second. Funny. Like, I, I mean, David Krumholtz is like a writer and director, though. He's doing great, you know. He's uh, he was on the the Deuce. Uh, he was great on the Deuce. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't acting as much. He's like yeah. a writer. And he's best friends with writer. Uh, writer. Seth Rogen was the best man at Kremholtz's wedding. Oh, is that true? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just like we're watching this movie like removed from the hype of all these dudes a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, these guys are all great. They have like amazing chemistry together. It's great to watch James Franco in a movie. You know, I know like he's like kind of canceled, but like not a hundred percent canceled. But um. He's like very, very charming in this movie. As you know, they're playing basically their characters from Pineapple Express, where James Franco is in he's, love with uh, Seth Rogen, but it's like not 100% mutual, you know? Uh, he's good in this movie. Uh, and I think he does a smart thing in that his character takes the most insults. Uh, they insult, uh, uh, as he probably is the biggest star, and it is his house they're at. They, uh, like the whole house itself, the whole set is a joke of how weird yeah. James Franco is. His penis like sculptures penis and weird sculptures. Yeah, he takes a lot of jokes. He yeah, really exactly. commits to the obnoxiousness, uh, and that's uh, very refreshing for it to see. I think uh, there's a line early on about like him explaining what art is. Uh, you play video games? That's art. You go to the subway, get a sandwich. Someone that's put art. that together for you. That's a art. Yeah. Artist. You, you're. <laughs> I'm gonna blow your mind right now. Uh, your dad's penis is the paintbrush. Your mom's vagina is the canvas. You are the. <laughs> so good. Uh, little so tiny good. Thing I liked, uh, and. He was naming everything they have. They're taking stock. He says, we have the camera from 27 hours, 127 hours. <laughs> <laughs> this tiny details like that. They just like have really awesome, really fucking tiny jokes. It's uh, so, so good. I could, it's so good. It could bring me into since we're talking about Franco. I think, as I said, this is a performance-based movie. Uh, we could do a little bit of MVP ranking. Uh, uh, who's funniest in this movie? Like, who's the, the best in this movie? Uh, it could be funniest to you it could mean uh most integral to the plot there's a lot of arguments to be made i wouldn't say franco would is mvp uh he's fun and he's, he's takes great. a beating he's and so he's, good yeah. he's good but like a lot of great 
performance well, in this movie from uh, the main cast. Can I talk about a couple that I really like? Sure, sure, go. So please. this is a small one, but let's, but don't. And then I'll talk about another one afterwards. Like I was mentioning her a minute ago, but like Emma Watson has a very small but like crucial little bit <laughs> in the movie where she's like extremely aggressive with everyone, and it's done so perfectly. I think that it's extremely convincing and it's really funny to watch. Like I love that. That scene wouldn't have worked if the celebrity had been doing a bad job. Sure. Uh, um, and then I also think. Danny McBride. I think Danny uh, yeah. McBride, he's to, so perfectly yeah. himself. To connect Emma Watson to Danny McBride, uh, he puts a little lampshade on her cameo. He's like, wow, I was so excited to meet her. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I want to ask her questions <laughs> about those movies. This is So he says that very line very straight after an uh, amazing performance of just being... He's the antagonist in this movie. He's so terrible. He's a bad is, guy. Uh, yeah. Here's the plot of the movie, which there is a plot of this movie. Uh, Seth and Jay go to a party. It's James Franco's party. Then the rapture happens. And then Danny McBride, and then uh, five people end up at James Franco's house, and then like barricaded Dan- inside the house. And then like Danny McBride out. wakes up. He, we didn't see this in, this entire time. He just was asleep in the bathtub. Uh, an amazing introduction. This tip, is like minute like fifty. Tip of the cap. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I evoked the names of Brooks and Guest. Uh, Goldberg Rogan. Tip of the cap to like. Okay, cool. We're gonna we have Danny McBride. We're gonna like do a nice little intro for him. He like, oh does God. a little dance. He has like a little montage of him doing being a badass. And then he gets another one later in the movie. Like yeah. he gets two of those. And he serves as like in this movie. What? Uh, it's the quieter part of the movie after the pandemic, uh, the uh, sinkhole, the rapture, uh, before all the ending of the movie. It's the quarantine part, which is. Uh, the funnest stuff in the movie right. it could have been dropped, but like Dan McBride comes in and just a fucking powerhouse, just like yelling at each other about dicks Dude, and like uh, um, I can come wherever I want to. Which is uh, I have the Blu-ray because of course I do. Uh, that, that was all improv. Him and Franco yelling at each other yeah. about coming coming all over the place. I have a particularly explosive ejaculate. It just goes everywhere. It's like a fucking wild fireman's hose. She's gonna grab on and pray to God it doesn't get in your eyes or your mouth. The fuck kind of jerking off is that? What, you never had any brothers? You didn't learn to jizz in a fucking sock or on a fucking tissue? No, I don't have any brothers. I was raised in a house of women. I highly doubt they fucking taught you to fucking close your eyes and fucking come wherever you want. I mean, you're getting all worked up over a fucking porno mag. Who has goddamn porno mags anymore? Welcome to the 21st century, Buck Rogers. You designed a house with fucking iPads in the walls. Yet you're jerking your dick like a goddamn pilgrim. It is like 20 minutes of them just like riffing about coming. It's amazing. Oh God, I love that so much. <laughs> it's funny. It's very, very funny. He's just so good at like, he's funny and personable and you can kind of see why. And obviously he's like a famous person. So why they would hang out with him. But at the same time, he's like absolutely the worst person. Yeah. <laughs> Everything he does is so mean and bad. Uh, but then he's like, oh, I don't know. For no know. reason. Uh, this is, they're talking about kicking him, out, kicking him out. And he's like, he's wearing my tux. No reason for him to do that. And they go, motherfuckers gots to go. Motherfuckers gots to go. They're like, he's gained weight since he's been motherfuckers here. Motherfuckers gained weight since he's been here. Uh, yeah, so uh, he really elevates the comedy portions of this movie. And I would say that I would think he's MVP. Uh, there are arguments to be made for other people. Uh, I mean, Jonah I, Hill is really good. Dude, Jonah, Jonah Hill's Hill. so fucking There's funny There's a scene in the beginning and towards the movie where he goes... Weed is tight. Weed is tight. <laughs> Weed is tight. Weed is tight. It's so great. This is, this it's so is great. set up. It's like a, oh yeah, we just came in, we smoked some weed. Ha, weed is tight. Weed is tight. <laughs> it's, uh, so it's a stupid. great intro to the character. So uh, where Dan McBride's this like more antagonist, uh, over the top antagonist, Jonah Hill's more of like, he's there the whole time. He's more of a nuanced, annoying character. Uh, and it establishes the Hollywood elitism of it all. And I think we really need that in this movie where we're like, don't want to, where these people are 
assholes who, do, who are going to hell and are going to die. Yeah, right. And you need that. Uh, and he really brings it. Uh, also in the opening scene, which is, again, so fucking good. This is his introduction to his character of Jonah Hill. Uh, he's like, oh, I would have done that with you, but I was caring for a sick dog. Aja, oh, how do you spell that? A-H-J-H-A-I. That's so goddamn funny. Uh, he just name drops uh, during a prairie. He uh, drops that he was in Moneyball. <laughs> hey, God, it's me, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. They're talking about rescuing him. He's like, uh, they're going to come for who? Actors. Clooney. Sandra Bullock. Me. You know, if there's time, you guys. He's such a wonderful asshole in it. And like everyone knows, but like he's nice enough to them where they like let it pass. Except for Jay Baruchel. Yeah, he's extremely, extremely nice to everyone the whole time. And Jay Baruchel keeps going like, Oh, he fucking hates me. But every time you see him, Jonah Hill's being so nice. And then finally in this prayer that you see, Jonah Hill is like, I hate Jay so much. I think he's probably the worst person that you ever made in your whole, in all of time. And you're like, oh, so he was being fake the whole time. And Jonah Hill's probably the most successful actor of out of this guys, now. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, for now. Not at the time, but now, yeah. now uh, going forward. Well, he was in Maniac, you know. So. Uh, I really like Maniac. Everybody hated it for I some like reason. I Maniac, yeah. Carrie Fukunaga, who another reference to the Bond movie we we'll never get to see. And you got to give out shout outs to Jay and Seth who do more uh, reactive comedy. They're more uh, moving the plot forward and they basically are the plot. And it is, like I said, yeah. uh, a real life argument that Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen had about like how Seth is a famous Hollywood person and Evan Goldberg is uh, just the behind the scenes guys that no one knows. <laughs> uh, that does add some heft to the movie and it adds a lot of sweetness to the movie. Yeah. Uh, and Point Grey. Well, because like all these movies at the end of the day, it's about like male friendship. Yeah, you know? Point Grey. Uh, that's, that's what this movie's about. And it's great, it, you yeah. know. Um, uh, men need that reminder. Yeah, it's like there should be, honestly, they should be making more of these movies because it's about like how normal men can hang out and be friends together and express emotions to each other, which is like good. I'm going to say that's good. Uh, since I'm saying a bunch of lines, I tried not to, but uh, a sweet little moment between uh, Seth and Jay like, hey, remember when I got you a $20 gift card at Taco Bell and then I dared you to spend $20 and then we realized you could buy all, everything for $20 at Taco Bell and you shit yourself during Gladiator? He's like, yeah, I was like, uh, how much Taco Bell can you get for $20? Uh, infinite. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's really, that it was really funny. Uh, and I, I would say it is McBride. Or Jonah Hill MVP. I think Jonah Hill's funnier to me personally, but McBride is just like so good. such a fucking masterpiece. I mean, with the movie, obviously, like it loves dicks. The devil's dick gets cut off. Oh yeah. Um, there's the dick sculpture, and like Jonah Hill getting raped by a giant demon cock moves the plot oh, yeah. Rosemary forward. Baby thing, yeah. Which is like pretty cool. You know, they turn him and he gets possessed via being fucked. <laughs> and they do like, another. Uh, they do. They do a couple movie shoutouts. They did Rosemary's Baby with him. They did uh, Exorcism with it. Yeah. They even say. Is that just lines from The Exorcist? That movie's like a manual. That's very funny. It's very funny. Well, uh, you know, we have to talk about Craig just for to be nice. Craig Robinson, yeah, he's really good. Also, he's yeah, he's great, good in this movie. Know. He had, uh, he's maybe the uh, moral center of this movie. If there is, I think one. before he's in the movie, they say like, "Oh, Craig Robinson's going to be there." He sweats a lot, but he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, he did have one of the best line readings. Uh, where they're talking about uh, how important actors are. He's like, uh, pretending like it's hot when it's cold. You're sitting on the beach, it's freezing, you're in your drawers, talk about everybody's surfing. <laughs> Great description of acting. I mean, that's what that's acting is. pretty much exactly right. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. But yeah, speaking of being in quarantine, which is kind of how it's relevant to today, right? I mean, it's a good portrait of like 
a bunch of normal people locked up together trying to deal with being in the apocalypse. And like, really, they don't spend any time being afraid of the apocalypse. They spend all the time being mad at each other yeah. and getting in dumb, petty fights, which I think is how like 90% of people are going to ride out this self-quarantine mm-hmm. is like getting in fights with whomever they're locked up with. Supposedly in South Korea, once they lifted all the quarantine, there was a huge surge in divorce rates. Oh my gosh. Um, Because it's hard to be locked up with another person and not end up in a insane fight with them about nothing and that is basically what 80% of this movie is is five guys locked in a house and yelling at each other about like who's eating too much bacon um, it, it's almost like it could have been a TV show that just went on for forever oh, yeah. because like that's it you know that's just it there's some dumb new conflict all the time <laughs> you can't get those actors contracts down for well that not long. these days maybe of course. Not. No. maybe who knows well maybe actually these days yeah Seth uh, has moved on to more of a producer role Point Grey does a lot of great work well it's almost like you get a time a point where like these guys have made enough money that they don't need to keep working that much yeah. you know they don't need to work like you don't like need to hustle hard, as much hard yeah you, know? you just like have a couple of projects yeah uh, producing, another thing you know? that dates it this was also the height of uh channing tatum yes uh they even like talk about how uh everyone has a man crush on him in early in the movie then he has a tiny cameo at the end oh, sticking with, his nude ass up in with the air mvp mcbride uh, yeah. uh who uh runs uh post mad max post-apocalyptic <laughs> world and a butt fucks Channing Tatum all the time. <laughs> exactly. And Channing is like really doing some moves on yeah. the ground. He's like on the ground. It's a stick- good cameo. And yeah, it would be a great cameo. It's a very good cameo. He's sticking his ass up like he's doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So that's it. You got anything else to say about this? Uh, no. We have to pick our actually base choice. Yeah. So I will say, Caleb, like let's say you had to get a deadly disease and then get fucked by a demon. Ooh, if you didn't pick ooh, one of these two ooh. movies, which of them are you going to pick and recommend to people? Um, you know, this is the end. Uh, I think I said how much I've seen it. Uh, I, I've owned the Blu-ray now. I've probably seen it about like 16 times. I don't know. It's just a thing I just like can have on and like hear lines to and just thoroughly enjoy because I like comedy and nothing. I like when I get inspired to like break down comedy again, it's probably annoying for everyone, <laughs> uh, but it's fun for me. Uh, I like Soderbergh movies a lot. I I don't even know if this would be a top 10 Soderbergh movie for me just yeah, out of his output. Either, yeah. uh, but I love uh, This is the End. I think it's uh, a little masterclass. I hope uh, Seth and Evan uh, direct again. Uh, yeah. It's a little green directing, if any, a little bit. Yeah. But they have it, great instincts. It definitely does seem like people who are directing a movie where it's like they don't seem super confident in a lot of the choices. A lot of it's just like people in a room together. You know, there's yeah, not like a lot the of improv stuff carried happening. them through it. Yeah. Um, so I would say it's a real easy choice for me this time. Like I, I did enjoy watching Contagion again more than I expected to. And uh, it is like I like I was saying, it's a fantastically done disaster thriller. But like given that we're like fucking living through Contagion, like definitely watch This is the End. It's a lot more fun. And it's it's like a very, very funny movie. And, you know, it's still about the end of the world, but it's like, it makes it seem like something you can go out and fight rather than something you have to yeah. like sit around and wait to die for. <laughs> um, and it's a bunch of great actors being like really, really hilarious. And it's a modern stoner classic. If, it's a modern uh, stoner if, classic. If, if there's any reason you should, you know, you're quarantined, get stoned and watch, watch this yeah, great exactly. movie. <laughs> one of the funny things about it, speaking of stoner classics, it's like one of the only places that still, that like acknowledges the existence of your highness. <laughs> like that movie, I think we saw that together, didn't we? Uh, I think we did, yeah, at Court Street Cinema. Yeah, and it was like, I mean, it's not that great, but it's really <laughs> down the memory hole. Like nobody thinks about that movie anymore, yeah. but they, 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 they reference like, it positively yeah. in this movie. They also reference uh, Green Hornet. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Where was that energy in the fucking Green Hornet? <laughs> 
Yeah, this is pretty good. Um, anyway, I don't know. That's the show this week, guys. Like, I hope that we're all alive and can get together in mm-hmm. person again to record another episode of this in, sometime in the next two weeks. We will try our best. Yeah, and we'll um, probably do more, like, streaming yeah, classic we'll get some movies. Streaming stuff. Yeah, exactly. Assuming that the movie theaters aren't open again and everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, won't be. But like assuming that doesn't happen. Yeah. Come in a couple weeks from now. Uh, put on this podcast on your wireless speaker and annoy your significant other while well, you're you locked know. in the house together. Uh, put on that fire log YouTube video and then you know, listen to this. Put yeah. on. Caleb says, put on that fire log. Is there an actual name for it? YouTube video as Yule Log, I think. Oh, that's great. That's more concise. Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it, guys. Uh, thanks so much for coming. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. fun with that and a lot of other catchphrases. I got a real red wagon and uh, I can't do my work. And I believe I was the first one to use the phrase, I don't think so. But it only lasted a year and that's good because that's how you establish a cult.